Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Debating Metal. It's special because we will be doing a full album review of Iron Maiden's latest release, Senjutsu. As we've mentioned plenty of times before, we're big Iron Maiden fans, and finally, after six long years, we have a new Iron Maiden album to listen to. But first, let's dispense with all the formalities. If you enjoy the show and you want to hear more, click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform and get the show on your favorite device each and every week or as often as we can push one of these things out. We also want to interact with you guys and read your opinions. So if you like what we had to say or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or DM us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're also now on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and ring that YouTube bell to be alerted each week when we drop a new episode. So, Kenneth, let's get into the album. All righty. All righty. Yeah, we're going straight to the th- straight for the throat today on this one. Um, we have no rusty metal. We have no freshly forged. We don't have any online pick of the week. We're just doing this album review. That's why this episode is special. Um, we really uh, are enjoying what we're listening to so far. We're going to talk to you about it. Um, <clears throat> Iron Maiden, Senjutsu. All right, the album was produced and mixed by Kevin Caveman Shirley. It was recorded at Guillaume Tell Studios in Paris, France, and it was released on BMG in the United States and Parlophone Records outside of the U.S. So the album is 10 tracks. It is like 89 minutes long or something like that. I I didn't get the final number. I mean, it's really, really long. Um, But I can tell you what, if you're listening to all 10 tracks straight through, it goes by pretty quickly. About 89 minutes quick, but <laughs> it doesn't feel like that. It's really It does cool. not feel long. No, yeah, no, it's, no, no. It's a good album. All right, so let's start it off. Song number one, Senjutsu. All right, so Senjutsu is really an epic opening to the album. Um, you can already hear the production value is better than the previous few albums. Um, you can actually hear each instrument, which has always been a gripe of mine from, you know, basically from everything after Brave New World. Uh, so a lot of times there was a kind of a muddy mix where you couldn't differentiate everything that was going on. You could tell the song was cool. You, I mean, it had a great melody, great you know rhythm, whatever to it, but there was always this muddiness to the, the mix, and it's not here, which I really enjoy. Um, the main riff is really cool. It's like a battle drum beat that's you know taking you into right into the concept of the album right from the very beginning, which is great. Um, the guitar me- melody behind the chorus is just fantastic, and it's really the perfect track to kick this album off. Touching upon real quick about the, the production that you were talking about, I, I really have to say that this to me is one of their one of the better sounding albums, if not the best sounding album since Brave New World. But Matter of Life and Death, as much as I don't listen to that album much, the, to me the production was was good on that one, but not as good as this one. Although there are times on this one, and I've mentioned this to you before, where the vocals sound a little muddy to me. But it, it's overcome by the rest of the band sounding good. Because if they had done like a muddy vocal and and then sounded like the, the drums that were on Book of Souls, it just would have sounded like mud to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. but the drums being or the drums sounding really good on this album was definitely a boost for it as far as the, the to, to me some of the vocals weren't fully up there in terms of the mix but it was still good enough for me i guess you could say in that way 
Um, okay. So I really, I really like the production for the most part. Um, starting off with Sinjutsu, the song, um, as you mentioned, yeah, kind of tribal sounding. Uh, I love the drums on this. Uh, this is, it, it's really cool. It's very, very different from anything that Iron Maiden has done before in terms of this kind of song. I don't think they've ever done anything like this before. But at the same time, no, it's yeah, pretty unique, and at the same yeah. time, it's still Iron Maiden, you know, uh, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I was recently listening to an interview with Nico, uh, with um, Chris Jericho, and he was talking about how they they did the drums on this, and it was a little different, and he enjoyed doing the drums on this song because it was so tribal. Um, and another thing about this song that I really liked, there was there's to me, and, and I'm I'm a big Saigon Kick fan, and I know not a lot of people out there know who Saigon Kick is, but there's a a, a small reminiscence of of uh, the song, the first song that Saigon Kick ever put out, which was New World, on their first album. There, that whole tribalness to it, and and the way that the the vocals just go along with it, it reminded me a lot of that song. So if you I can see that, you know, now that you're saying it, like uh, th- there's clearly a difference in style of music, but there is there is a similarity. Yeah, absolutely there. a difference. It, the, the similarity is just the whole tribalness of it. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, and and, and the pace too, the, the pace of the song the, of each song is similar. So if anybody's out there uh and is not a Saigon Kick fan and you like um I guess you could say metal version of the Beatles <laughs> um to some extent Pick up Saigon Kick, especially their first album. Well, they've got four, I think it is, and their first two are the best because those are the ones that have Jason Beeler on guitar and Matt Kramer on vocals. Um, Matt Kramer left during the third album recording, and so it's only Jason Beeler on the the second, the third, and fourth albums. But these first two are, to me, are classic. Um, So yeah, so the song reminds me a lot of New World. Uh, I like the song Sinjutsu a lot. That's a pretty cool song. And it's again, starting off the album with an eight minute song. I mean, that's, it's, it's just hard. I'm, to. I mean, that's pretty much going to be the, <laughs> yeah. the, the standard all throughout yeah, the album. It's hard to comprehend how you start off like, you know, uh, an album with a 10, uh, an eight minute song, but they did it with sign of the cross when they, when they released uh, the X factor. So it, it happens. That's for sure. Iron Maiden, you know, my friend said this the other day, and he's not a big Iron Maiden fan, but he says they're one of the bands, because he likes a lot more technical music, you know, just in general. That's just his thing. And and he was like, you know, Iron Maiden is one of those bands that you couldn't hear them, and you know it's them no matter what. And he's like, I, they're one band that, that I may not go out of my way to listen to, but anytime they come on, I don't I don't change it. Oh, that's cool. Which, you know, that's a compliment from somebody that doesn't listen no, to that, that kind that's, of music. That's a very so. high compliment, actually. All right. So the second track is Stratego, which is a uh, Yannick Garris and, and uh, Steve Harris track. Um, th- it's the second single as well as the second music video. Um, the video is really cool. If you haven't watched it yet, um, definitely check that out. Um, it has a very distinct Adult Swim flavor. And Adult Swim is... Cartoon Network's late night programming. If you're not familiar, um, a lot of uh, TV shows that they are that they've produced have had this same kind of style. Although it's definitely more refined than a lot of the stuff that you'd see on there. Um, the video, 
uh, features this great battle with many characters dying and kind of returning for revenge, etc. And it it's really cool because the ending has a really n- nice twist to it. Um, so definitely check that out. I don't want to spoil the ending, um, but it is a really cool video. Um, the song is a pretty standard galloper from uh, Harris and Gears, um, but it's really cool and it has like a dark vibe to it. Um, it's hard to describe without listening to it, but it has every every um, section has this kind of dark turn to it, which is interesting because it it actually parallels what's going on in the video really well. Um, I actually really like the tone on the guitars that they used here, which when we first talked about this track, we weren't 100% sure. We thought it was like a production issue or something like that, but it was it's more of a, a stylistic choice, which is interesting because it sounds a lot like the muddy guitars from the earlier albums that we were talking about, but this is different because you can actually hear also there's there's more clean guitars throughout the song too. So it's it's pretty interesting. It's it's a little bit more reminiscent of the tone of the stuff they play they produced after Brave New World. You know the the whole production thing with with Iron Maiden has has I don't want to say become like a running joke or anything like that, but it feels as though it's like what are they going to do this time? You know, so there's there's the running commentary about it because they always have a different plan. You know, be it uh, we're not going to master this album or we're not gonna we're gonna mix it like you know we're in a garage um all these different kind of concepts that they lay down before they start doing the album and it's one Mm. of these things like this particular album they actually came into the 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 recording studio not having rehearsed any of the songs um and even some of the songs were actually written in the studio um like steve brought his three epics that we're going to talk about at the end, he brought those to the band. But like some of the stuff between Adrian Smith and, and Bruce, that was written in the studio. Uh, so it's it's a it's such a different thing every single album that they do. So it it always changes the way things are done, I guess. And it, I guess for them, it keeps them it keeps it interesting. Yeah, I'm, I mean it's. It, it you can tell that it wasn't as planned, but that's a good thing here. Like it really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um. I think a lot of the times they kind of got, uh, you know, ahead of themselves with this plan of how they were going to address the sound of the album, and that almost was to the detriment of the album because it this was more organic and free flowing as a whole. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it, it's. It, it, it definitely shows because there's so much, uh, to me, I would say there's so much experimentation on this album um, mm-hmm. between the different sounds and different styles and different, uh, I don't want to say recording techniques because that's, that's not the case, but the, the different ways of putting these songs together. It's very Iron Maiden, but at the same time, there's so much more that's been added. So getting back to Stratego, um, that video that you were talking about is done by the adult swim guys. So that's pretty cool. And, and, uh, they, they, you know, I did not get a chance. I did read about the fact that it was done by the the adult swim team. (laughs) And, uh, but, um, I, I, I haven't had a chance to watch it. It's just been one of those things where I've been, you know, crazy busy in the last several weeks. 
<clears throat> and to, to really kind of touch real briefly on that, that's the reason why you haven't seen or, or haven't heard too many episodes recently because I've been crazy busy. Um, you know, Chris and I, we work in the same place and we've been getting new offices built. And so I have had no private time. I've had to be, uh, I haven't been able to go to my office to, to be by myself so I could edit the, the, the podcast. So it, I've been out in the open basically and I can't uh, just sit there and edit the podcast. People come in and out, they interrupt, you know, and so it, it, I don't have the time. So now that we got our offices back, I should be getting the time to be able to do this and, and start pumping these things back out every week. Um, I like this song a lot, Stratego. It's a really cool song. Um, I love the Maiden Gallop on it. It's one of two songs on this album that have the true Maiden Gallop, to me at least. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, there's there's definitely something, the, the melodies of the, 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 the lyrics in this album are great on every single song. And... The choruses in some of the songs may leave something to be desired, but they're still good. And it's kind of hard to, to, to comprehend, you know, the contrast between that. But, you know, like we've known Maiden for so long. We've listened to him for so long. We know what they're capable of. And so for them to go in, a, I guess, a different direction in terms of how they, they do the, the, the chorus is, to me a little disappointing but at the same time you need i i know the need for growth and change and, and stuff like that from artists because i think they could have done a little bit better job on some of the songs with the chorus itself but um sometimes you know that's just the way the song is built and, and, and it just goes from there and it's just natural but this song is really cool i do like this one a lot yeah i mean i understand where you're coming from but at the same time i guess it's it's just that's the creative output they're they're you know they're creating and that's there's really not much you can do about changing that right exactly so um okay so track three is the writing on the wall we've actually talked about this in a previous episode before um it's the first single and the first video and i would say that the the video is way more epic than stratego's um this was where they you know they really spent their money as far as the video goes um there's hundreds of references in it it's if you have not watched this animated video uh check it out now i'm not going to go into too much detail because like i said we've we have talked about it before um but it's it's epic like on the level of the heavy metal movie if you've ever seen that but i would say animation is even better here um the song itself has an awesome southern outlaw vibe there's a lot of biblical references primarily to belshazzar's feast i'm not going to go into a lot of that stuff but if you're interested in in that kind of thing um definitely check out some of the references that are put there um but it is kind of topical where uh basically one man uh you know listens and is humble and learns his lesson and the other is is not and it's it can be kind of topical to a lot of things going on in the world right now this is um definitely a different style of song for them um and so you 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 don't know where to sit there and and, and say this is iron maiden you sounds like iron maiden to a degree but the, the structure of the song, the, the 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 kind of song it is, as you mentioned, is a little bit of of country soundingness to it. 
Um, and I wouldn't even say country. To me, it's more, and I don't even call it Southern rock. It's kind of like, uh, almost like, um, I guess you could say outlaw country to some degree in there. It's a, it's a really weird, cause to me, I call it Western. That's what it is. Like when you see a Western movie, this song, the, the intro would fit right in or not necessarily the intro, but the, the, the main, the, 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 the pre- the pre-verse music. That to me is where it, it fits like, you know, it's Western style as opposed to country because country music to me doesn't sound like this. Um, but that's my opinion. This is one of two tracks on the album that have a country or Westernish vibe to it. Um, as far as, as the sound is concerned. Um, as far as the subject matter is concerned, I don't know if you if you heard any interviews with with Bruce, but this is basically you know part of it. You did mention it was biblical. He he took he's, he 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 um, had been watching a lot of um, what the hell is it Sons of Anarchy, and it, it the idea came to him: what if the four horsemen of the apocalypse were bikers? And so that's part of the. Uh, uh, the which is part, part of, the, of video. the video, right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> it's it's funny because I'm like, that's an interesting concept because, of course, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, in, in biblical terms, you know, is, they're horsemen um, and they're, they're riding on these horses. But when you think about today's society, that would mean, that would, that would be so much more apropos, I guess you could say, uh, four guys riding on, on steel horses that they like to call it, you know. So that that would be that's a real interesting concept, and and it comes across pretty well on the video. So I like this song. Um, this song is not a, a fast song. It's not a uh, it's not a plotter either, but it's it's really cool. I like the chorus. See, in this one, I like the chorus a lot. It's a steady yeah, pace. It's a very yeah. steady pace song, and I, I I like the chorus a lot on this one. This is a, a really cool song to me. It's not necessarily their best work, but it's it's definitely a really cool song. No, I, I I really enjoyed it, and I think the the video definitely enhances it too. Because the first time I heard the the track, I was watching the video, and it it kind of gives that uh, that imagery along with it when you're listening to the song, which is which is just fantastic. What I liked about the video and and the way that they they premiered it, I guess you could say, because they had a countdown, you know, and it was funny because they kept, you know, they had a they had a, a countdown to the album. Uh, release name, you know, when they were going to, what the name was going to be and what the, what, when it was going to be released. And then you heard nothing. So they, every day on Twitter, I think it was, or Facebook, I can't remember, they were putting out a copy of the album of, of their previous releases in order um, up to Book of Souls. And they had added in, in most of the albums, they had added a little tiny, uh, picture of either the Belshazzar's feast uh, icon that they were using, like a little mountain-looking thing, like a flame or whatever. And then they also put W-O-T-W writing on the wall. So in some albums, they put just W-O-T-W. Some albums, they put the little feast symbol. Some, they put both. And so there was, I guess they did it you know, for 16 days in a row because they had 16 studio albums. And then on the seventeenth day, they put, you know, they premiered the, the the album cover, they premiered the name of the album, and then you didn't hear anything from them for a week. 
And then it was a week later, they said, you know, this Friday, I guess, which was another week later, we're going to premiere our new video for uh, the song. I don't think that anyone, they didn't say what the song was. I don't remember. It may, maybe they did. Um, and, uh, you know, they did, the writing on the wall. And so what was so cool about that was the buildup. Like back in the day when people, when MTV actually played videos, um, you heard about, oh, you know, Friday night, we're going to be premiering the new Iron Maiden video for, you know, Flight of Icarus, you know, from their new album, Peace of Mind. And they, you, you had this buildup and you would see it. Or sometimes like when, when they finally, when they finally started, you know, uh, Headbangers Ball became a thing, they would premiere metal videos on Headbangers Ball. That would be the first time you could see it. So that was cool. It was an event. And that was, that's what this was. And that was what was so cool about it. It was, it was almost like the old school days of, of world premiering a video. And that was pretty cool. I liked that a lot. I think fans of the genre and fans of the band kind of saw it that way. And it's something that's not really done anymore, like you said. And, it, I mean, it was a really cool effect. So kind of got to relive those years a bit. Right. And speaking of MTV videos, they had their... MTV Video Music Awards the other day. I'm like sitting there thinking, you guys don't even play videos. What are you doing Video Music Awards for? You know, you, all you do is play, you know, 16 and Pregnant for the thousandth time. You know? <laughs> it's like, I don't understand that. I mean, you, you don't play videos, but yet you're going to do Video Music Awards. That doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. to me. But anyway, we move on. That's a rant for another yeah, oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving on to track four is Lost in a Lost World. This is a Harris-only track. Um, This is the first of four that he's written. Uh, But like you said, I believe this one was written in the studio rather than him bringing it in. Um, I love the vocal harmonies with the guitar around the midpoint and at the end of the track. Um, So basically what they do is Bruce is singing a vocal um, uh, melody and the guitar is playing a harmony with him in the same um, the same um, notes, which is really cool. It's a, it's an interesting effect. It's kind of revisited a couple times throughout the album, um, but here at the midpoint, it's a little bit more um, heavy. It's not heavy per se, but like it's a little more heavy than what would come later. And at the end, it's a bit more emotional, um, and it it leads to this kind of um, the the pace of the song it builds and then sl- it slows down a bit, but it's never really a fast track. Um, the chorus of "Lost in a Lost World" reminds me a lot of some of the material you might hear on "Brave New World" too, which is kind of cool. So there's a lot of subliminal, I guess, throwbacks to previous albums throughout this album too, which is kind of cool. It's like. They're revisiting some of their material, but not plagiarizing their material, which is cool. I, I took notice of that myself. I noticed that there are certain licks or certain chords or you know, chord structures or whatever they're doing that harken back to some of the stuff that they've been doing since they reunited back in 2000 or 1999. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So that that's pretty cool because basically it's almost like this is this is putting everything together that they've done for the last 20 22 years you know they're, they're taking something from everything and well there's even some stuff from before that, that too. too but to me what stands out the most is it, it, there's so many to me there's so many different things that come from 
the the reunion era, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, you know, from from production all the way to songwriting to 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 the just the, the structures of the songs. There's so much that goes back. It's pretty cool. Um, this song for me um, is not one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, it, it's it's a it's a slow. Then it comes that to that. Uh, as you said, it's kind of heavy, and where they're, where they're you know kind of making a statement type of heavy, not you know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That, that's and then it goes into the guitar solo, and it kind of slows back down to the way it was at the beginning of the song. So there's nothing wrong with it. The song it has its paces. It just to me it doesn't do it as far as keeping my interest and energy up for this for the song. Um, oh, but the song is is, uh, it's such a weird way to to put it. It's a good song. You know, but it's not one of my favorites on the on the album. It doesn't help that it's one of the longest tracks. That is that is correct. It does not help. But again, it, it the, the 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 fact that it's slow at the beginning that's okay. I don't have a problem. I'm I'm used to that now after twenty years. You know, <laughs> so and then it, it has that heavy statement in the middle, which works for the song. It just doesn't go past that. Like I'm almost expecting them to 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 hit the breakdown part and speed up two or three times, which they do several times throughout this album, but they don't do it in this one. And I guess that's the trick. They don't do it in this one. They go back to the beginning and it works for the song. It's just not one of my favorite songs. It's fair enough. All right. So track five is days of future past. Uh, this is the second Smith and Dickinson track following writing on the wall. Um, and I can't, I can't verify this, but Considering the content of the song, there's an X-Men story called Days of Future Past. They even, I believe they did a movie of the same title. Um, but basically, it's it's the end of the world. And that's the lyrical content of the song, which is very interesting that they would use that same phrase. Unless that's a reference to something else that I'm not aware of, it does seem very similar in content. Um, you know, it it's... It's a good track and it fits in, but again, this is not one of the one the the standouts to me. Um, even the solo is a little bit understated here, but it's a, it's a good track. See, now I like this track. I like the fact that it's up tempo. But what what I what I think is pretty cool, and we, you know how we were talking about how sometimes the the choruses are not actually um, fitting in with the rest of the the, the album or song, is mm-hmm. that in this particular version or, or, or case, excuse me, is that the song itself or the main verse is, is very up tempo. And then when it gets to the chorus, it slows down a little bit. So they play with the, 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 you know, the tempo and the time changes, but it's, it's in reverse. Cause sometimes to me, like, you know, you get, you have a, uh, a, a, a lyric melody and you go on and you go on and you get to the chorus and it kind of, slightly speeds up or just it's a little bit more upbeat i guess you could say when this particular case it's the opposite it's it's a very up tempo verse and then it kind of slows down and i'm not saying slows down to like a crawl or anything like that it's it's just a time change brings it down just a, a few beats and i think it's cool i i actually like the song a lot um it it, it i like the way it comes across and you know, then again, at, at, at being only four minutes long, it's pretty quick in and out <laughs> to keep your. Yeah, it's it's an oddity on the album because it is only four minutes long. Yeah, it is um, the shortest song on the album. 
Yeah, and let me clarify. When I say it's not one of my favorites, that it's not to say that I don't like the, the track in this particular album because, honestly, this is one of those those albums that I can listen to from beginning to end and not skip a track, and that's that's not very common anymore. No. So I'm very happy with this album. But, again, it's it's like I said, it's not one of my favorites, but I do enjoy it quite a bit. All right, the next track is The Time Machine by uh, Yannick Gers and, and Harris. Um, this track definitely has an Irish jig style to it, um, even more so at the solo at the four-minute mark. Um, to me, the most standout moment is this section right, like, it's very um, jammy and hectic that leads into the solo, and then... Uh, the preceding faster section after or proceeding faster section after that. Um, it's, it's a song that takes some buildup, but it just gets better and better as it goes. I agree with you on the Irish jig thing. There's a couple of songs on here that are kind of have that vibe to it. Um, and I think if you, if you think about all the Iron Maiden songs that they've done post reunion, there are several songs that kind of have that vibe to it. The Klansman was one of them. Um, you know, this this song, The Time Machine, is one of them. Um, there's certain songs, I think uh, even Dance of Death, I think was was one song that had a kind of like a jiggy feel to it. Uh, almost like they were, they were pulling out some some old, you know, Irish, Scottish, English folk songs from, from you know, the, the 16th and, you know, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th centuries. And using those melodies as part of the guitar solos or part of the harmony solos. And that was pretty cool. I liked that. And that and this is one of those songs to me that, that has that. Um, so I really like the time machine. I like the way that, that Bruce is uh, the melody of the, of the verse is going along with the actual guitar work. You know, the, you know, it, it, it just follows the same exact pace. I, I like that. Um, there's a there's a uniqueness about that in this particular song that I like a lot. Um, it keeps it keeps you interested because yeah, you got that that again a two minute intro where it's very quiet, very silent, but you you hear the them building the melody to the song, and then it goes into the the heaviness of it. I, I like it a lot. I think this is a really cool song. Um, I think people will enjoy it. And it definitely doesn't feel like seven minutes. So it's, that's, that's another thing, too, that I think is pretty cool. Well, you know, it's only a five-minute song if you cut out the two-minute intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that leads us into track seven, Darkest Hour. Um, so this intro gives me some really big old Iron Maiden vibes, which is cool. Um, it's, it feels like something off of maybe um, – somewhere in time it's it is very interesting that it it just gives me this these vibes but i can't really place why um this it's a slower track but it's really quite epic the solo begins at the four minute mark and honestly is one of the best on the album um it's slower and more emotional uh, and it's laying its own touch on the subject matter of world war ii and its effect on the soldiers. And even the solo has that same effect where you you feel, because of the lyrical content of the song, you feel that that uh, the solo is, is really imparting same, some of the same 
feelings as the rest of the song is. It's really gr- a great track. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's not uh, a barn burner by any means. Um, it, is, it is definitely one of the few uh, slow songs, you could say, that, that Iron Maiden has in their catalog. Um, but the subject matter forces the song to be that way. It's not a happy song. It's not a happy subject matter. Uh, and so they, they definitely, you know, do do right by the song, I guess, like that, and do right by the subject matter. Um, and I'm not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. I'm not ashamed to say, and, not, and I'm not embarrassed to say, that I am currently watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> okay? And the reason why I bring it up is because um, they, I'm in season two right now, and they just finished, uh, the World War I has just ended. And uh, one of the battles that they were talking about was the Battle of Passchendaele, which Iron Maiden wrote a song for back on uh, D- uh, Dance of Death. And this, you know, it, they, that's been their subject matter for a while now. They use a lot of the, the world wars and the different, you know, World War One and World War Two as as the basis of a lot of their songs. You know, Ace is High, uh, Passchendaele. Um, these colors don't run. And a lot of the subjects that are a matter of life and death. I mean, hell, the, the album cover itself was a, was a war cover. So it's just that's their that's what they do. That's their subject matter. That's what they they are very good at. History. You get like a history lesson every time you listen to Maiden, <clears throat> and that's awesome. I like that. Um, this uh, this song definitely does that as well. And it's it 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 is a dark subject matter, and it's a dark song not trying to be punny about it because it's called darkest hour <laughs> but it is it is <laughs> definitely that kind of song and that kind of vibe and it's a good song for being for being a slow song that never really picks up the pace well yeah i mean it, this is one that kind of reflects directly in a way on um britain's uh interaction in world war Two, and it refers to kind of um maybe how at one point the the public felt a certain way where there was more of a nationalism in that you know you would you would be supporting your country no matter what and now i think a lot of people reflect back and say hmm what were we really fighting for a lot of times mm-hmm. you know and and there, there is an aspect of yes, absolutely. You're fighting for your country, and you're fighting for the people and the rights of the people, etc. But at the same time, um, sometimes we're manipulated in ways we don't even know. And so there's there's some really deep lyrical content here, which is just it's great, and and um, it's amazing that after this many albums, after this many years, that. Iron Maiden is still putting out such high quality content. Absolutely. I, I love everything that they do as far as the content of their songs. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing the way they, the way they write. It's just awesome. All right. That leads us into track eight. Uh, this is the first of three tracks that are Harris written. And I would say three tracks that are Harris written and part of a, an epic at the end i would say um and he's in top form here he really is um 
Death of the Celts definitely has, or Death of the Celts. I said Ooh, the, you, like say, you, you said say it like it. I say it. <laughs> That's funny. The Death of the Celts has some similarities to uh, the Klansman, but I would not say this is the Klansman Two by any means. Um, the album clearly has this world traveler feel. I mean, it's taken you from Ireland to England to Japan. Um, I mean, everywhere across the world in a way, which to is really United interesting. States. I mean, yeah, it's 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 everywhere, which is really cool. So there's this, but there's this tying in um, aspect of war. And what's interesting here is it's talking about how there was this glory and death in going and fighting. And, um, you know, it's, it's a subject that's touched on in other songs. Like we just mentioned darkest hour where you look back and you say, okay, we're, we were fighting, but what, what were we fighting for? Which is interesting. Um, there are moments of this track that remind me of big aura, which it was off of um, Power Slave. Uh, mm-hmm. Power Slave, and the instrumental sections and the solo on this this particular track are just killer. It's it's arguably one of the best solos on the album. I, I really like this song. Um, I, I, I this is one of the songs I picked out, and I said this is going to be a good song. I don't know what made me think about it that way, and as soon as I heard it, I said. The first thing I thought of was the Klansman, um, and I mentioned I remember texting you saying, "Oh, Klan, you know, this is Klansman too." And I didn't mean it to be like like an exact duplicate with different lyrics, um, but the mm-hmm. but the to me the song structure it was all written, and we all know Steve is a bassist and he writes stuff on his bass, but there are times where songs don't sound like that, like specifically the Klansman and and actually part of these three epics that he's done on this album here. They have bass intros. He's playing on the bass, whether it's a, a, a piccolo bass type of thing or just doing a, a high on a lot of on the high strings. You know, very similar to what he does on the Klansman is what he's doing on here. So he wrote it the same way. He's and it, it's very similar structure. You know, bass intro, and then the bass picks up a little bit faster, and then it goes into the song. To me, um, after that, the comparisons, you know, go away because the Klansman has this epic, you know, chorus, um, the whole freedom thing. This one has a little bit of a different chorus. It's not as epic, um, but what it does have is a, a, another addition to Irish folk songs. It has a lot of that jig kind of guitar soloing and harmony parts that that definitely tell you this is there's some irishness to this song which is really cool i like this song a lot um and it's yes there's some really good solos on this song and it's just it is one of the epics of the or the three epics to end this album and this is a 10 minute song and it's like this one to me keeps you interested all 10 minutes you know once you get past Mm -hmm. the two minute intro And I, I, but the thing about those intros is they do build up and they add a bit of mystery to some of these tracks, um, especially in these last three tracks. I mean, I think those intros are really good and they fit the 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 flow of the song, especially when we get to track ten. 
Right. So, and I, and um, I and I don't disagree with any of that, and I and, and I just I pick on it and I make fun of it because it like almost every single one lasts somewhere in the two minute range, and then it, it goes in, and yeah. I think that's purposely done because you don't want to lose the audience. Any, you know, you don't want to go any farther into it, and then you've you've lost the song, you've lost the audience. So you have there's a certain point at which you have to stop if you're going to go into the rest of the song, and I, and they know this, and they've they've done this for years now, and this is their style ever since uh, uh, the X Factor, I guess you could say, was really the beginning of it or the, or the start of it. There are probably a few other songs in their catalog historically that have similar starts, but they weren't as long you know i mean you could yeah. sit there and say uh was it the to tame a land has a similar uh start you know it has that slow intro and that mm-hmm. was probably one of the first instances and that was all the way back to peace of mind but it was one song based on the album they ended these songs with these epics but this has now become where we have an, an out al- a half of an album of epics and half of an album of some of, of shorter songs, and again, nothing wrong with that. It's just they've obviously changed and become more progressive over the years and stuff like that. And that's you know we this is where we are with Iron Maiden. You know they're still great, but they are completely. I keep saying that you know I told a, I had a conversation with my buddy Matt, and I said, you know this is a different band even though it's the same five guys that have been there since 1983. <laughs> yeah. They just added one. So you think about it, it's a different band. Well, no, it's got Yannick now, but that's a different story. It's just funny. They're a completely different band when they reunited from the band that was before the reunion. So it's pretty cool. I, I This Death of the Celts uh, is a really cool song. All right, that takes us into track nine, which is The Parchment. It's the second of the uh, the last three epics by Harris. Um, <clears throat> in many ways, this is a typical Iron Maiden classic album closer, but it's not. There's still one more track after this. <laughs> so, which is funny because it is, if you listen to it, it does feel like an album closer. Um, Bruce has a vocal harmony with the guitars towards the end that's really cool. Again, that's revisited from some of the earlier tracks where they did the same thing. Um, so it does tie in musically to other tracks in the album. It's a bit of a slow builder, but again, it gets better and better as it goes. This was one of the tracks that really stood out to me as the the melody was really memorable and it caught my attention. Um, what did you think of this one? I it, To me, it's up and down with this one. And the reason being is because I agree with you, there's a lot of cool melodies on it. There's a lot of cool things about the song, but it's a slow song for 10 minutes of the 12. And at the at the 10th minute somewhere, you know, or the 10th hour, if you want to look at it that way, it, uh, it picks up the pace and, and you know, which is typical of of the other slow to fast songs that Iron Maiden have. And, you know, you hit you hit a beat, and all of a sudden they're they're charging at a hundred miles an hour. And I just, I just think for me, having to wait ten minutes for that is is a lot. Um, throughout the first ten minutes, again, there are good parts to it. To me, it's not my favorite song on the album by any means. Um, I I really just can't get into this completely 
you know, and I listened to it like I think twice today, and I'm just like, yeah, this is one. This is one of those few that are not doing it for me. Although when you get to to minute ten, you know, it kicks in and boom, you know, you're 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 jamming out to the last two minutes. I just think it waits too long to do that. Either you know they could have done something like that, like around the six minute mark, and then slow it back down and maybe kick it in again at the end. I don't know. Maybe that would have maybe made it better for me. But so far, it's just it's just it's one of those songs that just do it doesn't do it for me. I think it's probably one of those tracks that appeals more to progressive metal mm-hmm. fans. So uh, it, that being said, it probably doesn't work for you as much. But I do, I do really like this track. I thought it was great. Um, but that leads us into track ten, "Hell on Earth," and I would say this was just one that I just absolutely loved. Um, I listened to this track so many times since the album's release. Um, it takes about two minutes of intro again uh, to to get into it, but this intro is really great and suspenseful, and leads right into it where it doesn't it doesn't feel separate whatsoever. It feels like it's it's built into the track. Um, when it gets to the section where uh, Bruce growls lost in anger around the seven forty five mark, it's I was just awestruck. Because there was so much power in his voice and in a different way than typical where he's usually belting out. He's not growling. He's not putting that that edge on his vocals in the same way. And it just it just like cut through everything. I, it, it made me stop what I was doing and just sit there and listen for a second. Like because I was just shocked at, at that that different kind of power coming from his voice. And one thing I have to say also about Steve's bass work is just really awesome on this track. There's, there's some really intricate stuff going on. If you take a minute and listen just for the bass, you'll, you'll really be surprised. I think is Steve's always been an amazing player and he has his gallop and he has his, his, you know, bag of tricks that he does, but there's something more to, to what's going on here than, than, than I was, you know, led to believe when I first listened to the track. And then I really started listening to what he was doing. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. I like Hell on Earth a lot. And this is the other song that I was mentioning that has the Maiden Gallop in it. And I think that's what, for me, is, is, is what I like a lot about it because it, it has that, you know, head bopping feel to it and it keeps you going. And it's like that throughout most of the song, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I agree with you. Steve Steve Harris's playing has, has just gotten better and better and better and better, more and more intricate. I mean, if you listen to specifically on Death of the, of the Celts or, or even the Klansman, all the stuff that he's doing and the intricacy of, of that and, and how many notes. And it's not about playing a bajillion notes in, inside of two minutes, but just how, how he's doing it and the notes that he's playing, is it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um. That being said, this is a really cool song to end the album on. I think this is one of those that will go down there as one of those classic Maiden closers, for sure. Um, oh, for sure. It's an and, amazing and since track. we brought it up about the fact that this is one of the two songs that I mentioned that had the gallop, uh, I want to state, I remember now, Days of Future Past was the other song that had the country-ish feel to it um, with the guitars uh, or the western-ish feel. Um, so that's, uh, you know, going back to that song real quick, but hell on earth is really, I, 
I agree with you with the whole Bruce thing and the growling and all that. It's super, super uh, different, I guess, from, from Bruce. Um, this song is just outstanding. I mean, there's not much. I can, I can just praise it all day. It's, it's such a cool song. All right. So I would say overall, for me, this is, I mean, it's it's tough to grade it any lower, but I would say this is a 9 over 10 album. I absolutely love it. I've been I've been listening to it over and over again since it came out, and uh, it's one like I said one of those few that I can just listen to from beginning to end. Yeah, there's a couple tracks that I think are not as good as the others, but they're still good in my eyes. And I mean the standouts. I I really like uh, Sinjutsu Stratego. Um, Writing the walls such a cool unique track from the band. Um, Hell on Earth to me is just, it's the best on the album. Um, And um, I would say Darkest Hour. I mean, those are all highlights, but I could really just about list every song. (laughs) So, all right. So let me, let me, you know, since we're at the end of this, uh, this review here, a couple of things. Um, The keyboards on this album were very different from the way he uh, Steve has done keyboards on the other albums. Um, it almost felt like like a whistle, almost um, to some degree. Not not that not that high a pitch, but it it he used it the same way on every single song. And I thought that was kind of weird because in other albums they haven't done it like that. This one was almost felt to me like. This was the first time that Steve was ever playing keyboards. I don't know. It, it, it almost seemed like they regressed in terms of the keyboard sound and the keyboard enhancement. Uh, to me, I think it's overused on the album. Where they, I don't think they needed it as much as they put it in, um, for sure. Because once they get rid of it, the album, you know, the song rocks, and you know, you don't even notice if it's there or not. But it's almost so noticeable when it is there. That it's kind of like, is this necessary? Um, it's noticeable to me on Death of the Celts, The Parchment, Hell on Earth. All the slower songs are very, that it adds to that mood to it. And I don't think it needed it. But, you know, that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, as far as highlights, let me go over a couple quick lowlights for me. Lowlights were The Parchment and Lost in a Lost World. The Parchment is probably my least favorite song on the album. I just I just cannot get into it. Everything else, though, um, I really like Sinjutsu. I love Stratego. I love Days of Future Past. I think Writing on the Wall is, is such a unique song for Iron Maiden. Uh, I love Death of the Celts. I love Hell on Earth. You know, so Darkest Hour, I like that song. Um, but it's, it's one of those, you, you, to me, I'm going to listen to that because I'm listening to the whole album. I'm not going to pick that song out. Um, Time Machine, I love I, that. That's probably I'm gonna sit there and say Time Machine and Death of the Celts and Hell on Earth are my three highlights on this album. Um, to the top, you know where you know where like songs like Stratego and Writing on the Wall, they're right in the middle as far as the highlights are concerned. Okay, so of those three, which would you say is your favorite? Hmm. I'm almost gonna say uh, the Time Machine. On that one, yeah, I really? I, I really okay. love the vocal melody on that song. Uh, it, it's it, there's there's something unique about it to me, but at the same time, there, there's something 
in it that reminds me of of something historical. And when I say historical, something musically in the past, not necessarily Iron Maiden, but it just reminds me. It's, it's nostalgic for me, I guess you'd say. Put it that way. Um, and okay. and I like that. So I, I just love that whole structure that the way they did that. So to me, I, I've gone back to Time Machine several times. Um, I go back to Death of the Celts, and I go back to Hell on Earth. That's why they're the three highlights. Um, but I would say I probably go back to Time Machine more than than the other two. So you, oh, oh no, go on. Okay. I was gonna say uh, you gave this a, a would you say a nine or nine point five? A nine, nine I, over ten because of the the length of it. Uh, and the, the fact that there's, you know, three songs that are over nine and a half minutes long, well, excuse me, four songs, and then you add the 820 and the and the two seven-minute songs, it's a really long album. To me, that's what brings it down a little bit as far as my my, my score. I'm giving it an 8.5. Um, so it's still up there. It's still a very good album. Don't get me wrong at all. It's an Excellent album. It's you know it's something you know I've heard people say that they like this better than Book of Souls. Well, I liked Book of Souls a lot, um, and I think this is up there. I, I probably put Book of Souls like an eight point seven or or eight point eight. This is being an eight point five. But there are certain songs on this one to me that are better than what's on Book of Souls. But as as a as a collective unit, Book of Souls I think it edges it a little bit. You know, but this one's better to me than other albums. This one's better to me than Matter of Life and Death. This is probably better to me than The Final Frontier. You know, I I would actually say to me this is the best album since Brave New World. Okay, I mean, I, I I'm not going to argue with you on that because it's a really good album. I did like Book of Souls a lot, so that's why they're, they're real close to me. Um, in there, gotcha. but yeah, Brave New World, hands down to me is the best of the whole reunion era. Um, so you got you got to fight. For, for second, third, and fourth place with, between these, you know, Book of Souls, this album, and, and Dance of Death, in my opinion. Well, you mentioned that you're, you know, your favorite and your, your least favorite. I would have to say, I, me- I did mention that Hell on Earth was my favorite. Um, I would probably say that Days of Future Past was my least favorite. Um, that being said, I still enjoyed the song. I just don't think it was as good as the rest. Interesting, interesting. I uh, I didn't I didn't expect that because because of because of the fact that it's such an upbeat song. But I will tell you this, okay? Listening to this album and between listening to Book of Souls as much as I did and now listening to this one, I think this one harkens back more to what they have been doing the last twenty years. Than Book of Souls. Book of Souls was more up tempo for most of the album, where this one has mm-hmm. a lot of emotion and a lot of up and down, which is very similar to what's on Matter of Life and Death and Dance of Death and all that. I'm going to give Matter of Life and Death another shot. And the reason why is because I think it's finally sunk into me that this, like I was joking when I said about Matt, that this is a different band even though it's the same five guys plus one since 1983. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think I finally have, have completely accepted the fact that this is the way they write now. So if, if this is the way they're going to write now and I'm going to be a fan, I need to be understanding and accepting of what they do, you know? And, um, 
there's a lot of songs I like. So I'm going to give Matter of Life and Death another sh- another chance because so many people say it's so good. Um, you know, and I've there's some songs I've picked out that I do like, you know, but those are the, the typical ones. We were talking about them, you know, uh, the other day with uh, A Different World, These Colors Don't Run. I'm going to give The Reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg another shot. Um, but then songs like The Pilgrim, you know, I like that song. Um, and then, you know, obviously they played for the greater good of God on the, on the legacy of the beast tour. That song's okay. You know, so I'm going to, I'm going to try and and see if these will sink in a little bit more to me, you know, than they, than they have in the past. Giving it another shot, man. All right. (laughs) I'm glad to hear it. I love that album. So actually it's on its way to me on vinyl. So I'm kind of excited about that. Very nice. All right. Well, folks, that's our review of Iron Maiden Senjutsu. And that brings us to the end of today's special episode. So as a reminder, you can find us and all our previous episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and every podcast platform that's out there. So don't forget to click the subscribe button. That's right. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. If you use Spotify, be sure to check out our playlist from our greatest hits episodes, and make sure to tune in to the next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, and remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya. <laughs>